You are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge. Tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world. I want to preface this episode with the notion that there are two sides and truth to every story. And as a podcaster, I get asked quite often, and as an author, how do you write about the people in your lives that have caused you good experiences, bad experiences, without offending them. And to that I say, well, social media is a beautiful invention. They have a platform and a stage just as much as I do to share their their voice, their side. So with that said, this episode, we haven't even started recording it yet, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that it's going to have some stories, some things that could be very triggering to some So this is a very heavy, we both have Scorpio moons, this is the theme of this podcast, where we are going to, in detail, outline some of the wounds we have from childhood and how they have affected us. Now again, there are two sides and truth to every story. This is simply just how we perceived what we went through. How's that that for an intro? Nice. (laughs) You should do this for a living or something. I know, you should. <laughs> so I am joined here by the love of my life, my best friend, my partner. Jeffrey. And Jeffrey, my plug. <laughs> I'm joined by Baby J, a.k.a. Jordan Gonzalez, a.k.a. Jordan Lawrence. You've got many different characters. <laughs> I do. I literally do. <laughs> Baby J is my favorite. All based on my trauma. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that... The name, this is the perfect layup into this episode. Why Why do I call you Baby J? Where did that name come from? I don't even think you, either of us, realized where it came from until someone asked or you asked or it just popped in my mind, why do I call him Baby J? I come up with so many interesting nicknames for people. Like Jeffrey, I call him Mush, and I realized that Mushka is a European or a Russian doll, and maybe there's a past life connection there. It's just interesting. Now, the reason why I call you Baby J is because I see you as your child self, as your innocent, untethered self. Whereas a lot of people from your past, they see you as the guy who burned bridges, the liar, the cheater, the... Yeah. Whatever the day of the week is, then they're angry at you for whatever reason. That's how they see you. And these people have tried to implant it in my brain, like, this is who he is. And it's like, sure, you can sway me a little bit because my own projections and fears come into it. But no matter what, at the end of the day, since day one, as just friends, I have seen you as baby J, as like five-year-old baby J. That yeah. person who hasn't been hurt, who hasn't hurt others, who is just clean slate, pure spirit. And that's why I call you Baby J. Did you call me Baby J first or did I call you Baby Girl first? Mm. <clears throat> this was back in the treehouse day, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We are recording this under a thunderstorm, so if you hear rain or maybe some thunder... What better Scorpio moon ambience than this? It's soothing. We were laughing, saying my voice paired with this ambience sound in the background is going to make you guys fall asleep. I'm going to fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I don't know if you called me baby girl or baby J. One of us did it first, and the other one was just like, okay, baby J. 
So, but that's why I call you Baby Jane because I see that side of you. And so this podcast episode came about because I thought it would be a good idea to share our childhood wounds, like in detail. There's so many things that happen to us as children that we don't want to talk about. And for many reasons, we don't want our parents to feel bad. We don't want them to feel guilty. We don't want them to be angry at us, as I was saying in the introductory part of this episode. It was scary to write Thyroid First Aid Kit to share what my family did to me that caused a thyroid disorder, where I didn't feel safe with my family to speak up and own my truth. I mean, my mom, the Aquarius, she's the best. When she listens to this or when she reads my book, she doesn't get triggered. She just says, I'm sorry, I didn't know any better. How can I show up better for you? So I'm really, really lucky in that regard. Yeah, Look at your me. eyes. <laughs> I can remember not even long ago, um, one of the times I was in South Texas and we were going to the beach mm-hmm. and we were riding with my mom and I was like, you know, I felt this way because of because I think this and I think her response was, I forget exactly what I was talking about, but I was talking about like a childhood uh, wound. I think she was being like she was getting frustrated at the boys for like making a mess. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to explain like why I think I am the way I am because of what she just did. And then her response was like, oh, fuck, you've had a great life. You had a good life. Uh, you you have like right, blame so everybody just, else. Oh, like your childhood was so, so hard. hard. I was like, that's not what I'm saying. Right. <clears throat> I'm just trying to point out right. something. And a lot, I think a lot of parents, that is their reaction from them. And that just is a projection from them feeling unseen, mm-hmm. unvalued, unwanted. And especially single moms, can, if they're unevolved and unaware, will definitely say, oh, you're like your childhood was so hard. I gave you food. You had shelter. You had all the nice clothes. It's like, but that's not. No, that's not what I wanted. That's not what a child <clears throat> needs. No. That was yeah. my response in that moment. It was like. Yeah. I think she said, like, well, you got to, you went to Cancun, and we took you here. I was we like, bought you this. But did you ever you ask me that. where I I wanted to go? Mm-hmm. You didn't, because I remember I wanted to go snow skiing, and I had to take myself whenever I was 25. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, yeah, you're such a movie buff. I've known this about you since we were And you're friends. the only one. And I thought, you've never been to Universal Studios? And you're like, nope. Mm-mm. And that that's mind-boggling to me, because... Just the just the basis of you always quoting movies and saying, I saw this in a movie once. It's like, take this kid to Universal Studios to see all the movies. Yeah. But no. I mean, not everyone's different. Again, everyone has their own experiences. We are not, this is not an episode bashing our parents. They did they only did what they knew, what yeah. they saw. Well, it's like in that moment, my response wasn't like, look, I haven't done the things I've done because of you. I have my own free will and my own action. But I'm just saying this is what I would have rather had had you listened to me. Yeah. And you didn't. So yeah. now I have some trauma that I got to work through. So Exactly. And it's a beautiful thing to know that with the boys, with our future children, that when they are triggered, when they... We always say it. Like, what if we had a daughter <clears throat> and she found herself cheating or in a bad relationship... We would look in the mirror and say, whoa, where did we show or teach by example that this is okay, that Mm -hmm. this behavior is okay? Of course, there's gray areas with this. The soul chooses what it wants to do at times. Uh, We were just reading Dr. Nicole, the holistic psychologist. We were just reading a little bit of her book, How to Do the Work. And just in the first chapter, we're like, take a note, take a note. Yeah. There's so many good nuggets in it, how... 
everyone, even with you and your siblings, you could grow up in the same family but not have the same childhood. Mm-hmm. Bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, my brother and I, he is 18 months older. He has Asperger's, epilepsy, and he's more into computer stuff. Um, he loves to play the piano and play, like, classical music that you'd hear in the background of video games, which is cool. It's definitely not my thing. I'm more into relationships and psychology and spirituality. But we grew up in the same exact household. Um, I don't have a bond towards my father. I don't have hatred. I don't have love. It is a blank white piece of paper. He's a stranger to me. Whereas my brother has this need to know him, to get his approval, to seek love from him. We couldn't be any more different, yet raised in the same household by the same woman. Yeah. Interesting, right? Now you and your brother, pretty yeah. opposite as well. <clears throat> yeah. He, I didn't, I, I've always been afraid of things like drinking or I just haven't had a need or want to, yet my little brother is a, has been a raging alcoholic and addicted to drugs for shit since he was 17. Mm-hmm. And he's 30. I think he'll be 30. Wow. This September. I'll be 34. He'll be 30. Wow. Yeah. So he's going through his first Saturn return right now. But, yes. yeah, we were raised completely... Same household. Same household. Same parents, same discipline. Yeah. Actually, and you would think that that I would have been worse, but, like, my discipline and my abuse was worse than his. Mm-hmm. His was way more lenient. Because so maybe that's Yeah, maybe that's part of it. But same household. Completely different directions. Yeah. It's yeah. very interesting. And in astrology, people who are so curious about debunking it or just trying to figure it out will always ask, how do you explain twins who have the same birth chart yet couldn't be more opposite? And I was taught in school that just boils down to the soul. When you reincarnate, you have a blueprint. You can either go this way, you can either go that way. It just boils down to the soul. So um, a client of mine asked a beautiful question. She's Aquarius, of course. Does a birth chart apply to the physical body or the soul? I would say the physical body. And the soul's going to do what it's going to do. The birth chart tells you, you could definitely go this way. You could definitely make money here. You could definitely experience this. But at the end of the day, free will, you make your choices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this podcast, I just really wanted to share. It's kind of a spinoff from the episode that is still like going viral with you guys about my Akashic Records reading slash soul retrieval about the masculine wound. I'm so glad you're here. I caught you before you fly away and travel for your business again. <laughs> but a lot of people really appreciated that I shared how I feel tired around you, mm-hmm. how I feel emotionally, physically drained. I am triggered. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably listening to this thinking, what? You can tell your partner that and they don't know. Because we know, we see, we feel the love we have and the laughter we have. But there are times where he understands, I just need alone time. And I think being my friend first and knowing everything about my history, you can understand why you, just as a male, never mind my boyfriend, could make me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So why doesn't it trigger you when... Did you listen to that episode? The soul mm. retrieval one? Ah, oh, you should. Because no. in it, I talk about you. I say that um, Russell shared the example that when I'm in nature alone, my chakras are blazing. When I'm in nature with you, it's the navel, sacral, and root are just zoop. 
You drain me. How does that not trigger you? Um, or make you feel like I don't love you or we're not a good match? Because everything else says you do. Everything else says you love me, but we're all... We all have our own... Like, yeah, we all have our own soul. We all have our own tendencies. We all have our own shit that we need and don't need. And I don't know. It just doesn't... With you, it doesn't... It's not that... I, I never feel like you don't love me. I just know that... I, but I don't put a meaning to it. I don't put a meaning as, like, she needs time from me. I just say... You need fucking space to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you I don't use it. Can me. Can you see it in my face when it, I need alone time? Yeah. But I don't ever put the meaning. Because I, I probably could find a way to trigger myself if I wanted to. Trigger like most myself. people do. But in the cancer. <laughs> no, that's a bar. A way to trigger myself. Because yeah, that's I all could. triggers are. Like if I, was, if I told myself the story that like you need time from me. Why do you need time from me? I don't need time from you. If I told myself that, then I'm sure I could trigger myself. Mm -hmm. But that's not what I tell myself. I just tell myself, you're worn out from life. And I, and most of the time I'm like, I just don't, I don't want to be in that space because A, you need your alone time. B, I don't know if I can, I'm not going to provide any benefit and it's probably going to, um, I drained your battery, and then if I stay around, it's just going to drain mine. It's beautifully said. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And can you also understand that it's my issue, not yours? It's not you being around. It's my masculine wound. Yeah. And uh, when I had that uh, reading um, with Nick, I think that time, Mm -hmm. the big deal that he Mm -hmm. talked about was I have to really focus on not letting your energy become my Mm -hmm. energy. Because I'm wired to take what you're feeling and not try and fix it. Well, try and fix it, but then I also take it on. Yeah. Like, you ha- you're having anxiety about something, so it's easy for somebody like me to have anxiety with you and then make it about me. Ooh, big bolt of lightning. That's going to be loud. Wait for it. Three, two, two one. one. I've never done it on time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we were recording oh, yeah. our faces. I know. Whoa. But yeah, I think that that was a big that was a big moment too. Whenever he said that, it's like you got to really focus on not making, especially the person you love, which is Steph. You got to focus on not making her energy your energy, which mean which meant to me like, if you are depressed or you're sad or you have anxiety or you have whatever, it's okay for me to be like, how can I help? But it's not okay for me to take that on and be like, mm-hmm. well, why? Like, yeah. I'm here. Like, yeah. why are you happy? And, you know, from the super emotional person's perspective, if you say, okay, well, I'm here for you. I'll do whatever you need. Just let me know. But I'm going to go for a bike ride or I'm going to go for a run and do things that make me happy. It actually makes me happier to see you happy, to see you, like, even if I was having a panic attack and I just said I need to be alone, you're like, hey, well, I'm going to go grab a cocktail with friends. I would be like, okay, and then send me a funny picture. And it would make me feel joy. Almost, You know, I will say, because I feel just intuitively, like a lot of people are listening to this and comparing and thinking, wow, I can never tell my partner I want to be away from them without them being like, why? Who are you cheating on me with? Who, you know what I mean? It, aside from that soul retrieval episode where we discussed my masculine wound, 
we have also studied our human design charts. You're a generator. I'm an emotional manifester. It's our environment. It is our DNA as humans that you need to be around the fast-paced, go, 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 mm-hmm. whereas that overwhelms the shit out of me. I need to be at home yeah. sending you artistic blueprints and you out in the world yeah. implementing them. So it's astrology. It's human design. It's being friends beforehand so we know each other on that intimate of a level. We're not perfect, though, because, like, no, we're not. even the other night, I can take things. I had to work on it, but I can take things like the painting deal and make it, like, like something different than it really is, and I always have to, like, try and reground myself. Yeah. So. I will give us kudos for that. We let each other speak. We don't talk over each other. We don't yell Right? We respect yeah. each other from that regard. Now, this is the perfect... Hold your notes. I see you looking. This is the perfect segue, again, into this episode. Because it's it's kind of mind-boggling. I mean, we're in our fishbowl, so we don't truly understand the level of our self-awareness. But to look at what we came from to where mm-hmm. we are. Like, I know... Ooh, shit. That was... Three, two... Ooh, <laughs> You're better than me. Wow. <laughs> I love that we're recording this under a storm because I look at rain as a spiritual cleanse. Yeah. What am I, a water priestess from Atlantis? <laughs> Go back and listen Bring to on the dolphins. Episode. No, because I know my mom's going to listen to this and she tells me all the time, like, wow, I birthed you. Like, where did you learn all of these things? Because it wasn't from me and it wasn't from your grandma or your great grandma. Yeah. And it's true. I have never, very sadly, never been around a healthy relationship. I mean, when I was previously married, I would go to therapy and I would just cry and look at my beautiful therapist and tell her, like, I just, I don't know. What what does it mean to be married? What do you do? What do you talk about? Are you supposed to fight? Because we don't. We don't even talk about fighting. Like, what is normal? What is not? What is healthy? What is not? I don't know. Because my mom, being an Aquarius was never in a relationship where they were, like, best friends. I mean, she dated a Sag who was really nice, and they had a lot of fun. But I never saw them hug or kiss or say, I love you, or call each other baby, or anything like that. Her relationships were were very Aquarius-style. Like, I just didn't see them. There was no... There's vanilla. They were just there. Yeah, just vanilla. They were just there. And they never lasted long. So I didn't, like, see what it took the work that it took and the patience that it took. And I never got close enough with any of the guys she dated to where I could be like, hey, can you give me advice on this? Yeah. Even though the last guy she dated, and I wonder if he's listening, probably not. <laughs> but he was the one that got me to say, wow, my marriage is not healthy like I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was the opposite. If I mean, do you think your parents listen to this and say, like, where did you learn this shit from? Because it wasn't us. No, my parents aren't evolved enough to even hear what I'm saying now and think like, wow. Good that's, job. That's some psychology Have they shit. ever texted you, called whatever, and said like, we're proud of you. Like, you've really grown. No. You think they ever will? No. Why? Because um, I think it takes a level of happiness within yourself to tell somebody else you're proud of them. How can you be happy for somebody else when you're not happy within yourself? Wow, bar. Yeah, that's why most people can't wish well for others. They only wish it for themselves. It's like, 
Isn't it sad when it's your own babies, your own mm-hmm. kids? You think that of all people, like it's okay to be jealous of friends or colleagues, but your own children, isn't that why you raise them? Because you want them to mm-hmm. grow and find happiness yeah. no matter what? Yeah. No. If my yours was a vanilla ice cream, mama's, you know, relationships and my parents were... Habanero <laughs> chili. Were... <laughs> Like, yeah, I would say, like, the nastiest thing ever. I'd say, like, if you took a big scoop of ice cream and mixed it with, like, a bowl of chili and said, eat it. It's like... With lots of spice. That's disgusting. And no way does that look appealing. Yeah. So. So, with every relationship, we bring forth masculine and feminine wounds. Um, Just in layman's terms, masculine energy is our desire to take charge of our life, have our self-confidence, to speak up for ourselves and say yes and no, to set boundaries. This is all examples of masculine energy. Feminine energy is just the opposite. This is where we are in tune with our inner world, our moon sign in astrology. Feminine energy is, are we able to feel emotions? Are we able to tell a partner that we love them, that we miss them, without feeling like, oh, I don't want to tell them. They're going to think I'm clingy. Heaven forbid I become clingy. Are we able to nurture ourselves and unconditionally give love and nurturing to someone else? So this is the difference between masculine and feminine energy, between mother and father wounds. And in this episode, we're going to share things at least for me, you might have shared some on your podcast. I share it all. You do. I love it. About wounds between both parents. Um, I'm pretty open about my mother wounds. My mom is my best friend. We do have differences, but she's yeah, but Aquarius. She's so cool. She's understanding enough to even, like, even if she doesn't understand, or even if she doesn't agree with something, I will say, mom is the kind to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. My bad. Yes. At least there's no like, well, screw you. Like never. you, you think you're blah blah blah. You had a great childhood, but like <clears throat> never. So she provides a safe space for you to say what you want, because yeah. And my mom is 58, I believe. Yep, 58, and she's in therapy right now, and she is just now at that age. It's, she's in her second Saturn return. Mm-hmm. How wild! Figuring out, wow, I myself as an older woman. I have wounds to my mom, and she said she has the biggest father wound, and she's now connecting the dots and tying them together, and she's actually apologized to me and said, I'm sorry I didn't raise you with more physical touch or more I love yous. I just, I wasn't raised around that, so Mm -hmm. I I didn't know any better. That was, it was comfortable for me to not ever hug you and look you in the eyes and say I love you. Oh. That was close. That. Yo, y'all are going to hear that one. I love this that so one much. That was close. I love it, too. Oh, beautiful. So. Stop talking about mama. I know. It's getting closer. Ah, it's because I'm the water priestess of Atlantis. I I'm channeling energy. I think water goddess. <laughs> she was beside me. Yeah, she was beside me. <laughs> you better watch out. Uncle Lise. Whew. Oh, my mom is so masculine, and it's it's obviously... Very tr- I need to have her on the show to talk mm-hmm. about why she's so masculine. My cousins and I have this joke where we call her Uncle Lisa. Her name's Lisa. And it's like, Uncle Lisa's in town because she's just so masculine. And why? Because she's got a father wound yeah. and a wound with her own mom where it was always shut up, put up. Just It's a generational thing, born in the 60s. It's tough for her to be feminine. Same with you. 
Oh, of course. Where do you think I got it from? <laughs> Inherited. Yeah. And I didn't know. I had no idea that I was this, like, subliminal feminist almost mm-hmm. to men until I stopped, turned around, looked in the mirror and said, oh, wow. Um, you know, I told you this story. I went to a psychic when I was engaged and... I just point blank asked her, like, I'm about to get married, and I want to know, am I going to break the cycle of divorce that is generations long in my family? She just looked at me like, you ready? And I was like, yep. She said, you're not. You're going to get a divorce. But the one after you, that'll be the one who breaks it. And I remember just my heart sinking. Like, I know, people are probably thinking, well, why did you get married? Why did you go through it? Again, free will. And... As you guys hear me say, I just intuitively knew that my soul came here with a blueprint and getting married to that person and simultaneously getting divorced to them was a part of this life's lesson. So, I want to share, and then after I share mine, I want you to share yours, and we'll kind of tie them together on how we use them to our advantage in our relationship. Father wounds. And you can also share your mother wounds because you do, your birth chart has more of a mother wound. We're going to talk about that Mm -hmm. too. I really don't. I don't have a mother wound so much as I have, I just didn't get a mother because she was a single mother. My brother had autism and we didn't even know it until he was like 17. So you can imagine, those of you listening who are parents, how difficult and emotionally intensive that was for her trying to go to school and start a big career, trying to raise two kids alone, trying to date healthy people. Like, whew. I mean, I don't blame her at all. I love her. She did a phenomenal job with what she had. Yeah. But in a sense, I didn't grow up with a mom. Yeah. You know, that feminine nurturing energy I did not get. So there's my mother wound, and that's it for the most part. Now, my father wound, as you guys know from that episode, I have got quite the masculine wound. I do not trust men. And if you guys haven't listened to that episode yet, I would pause here and go listen to it. It's my soul retrieval, the experience of a soul retrieval episode from a couple weeks back, because a lot of this probably won't make sense unless you've listened to that one. So I have a masculine wound that spans many lifetimes of being raped, murdered, beaten, betrayed by men. And that really, really resonated with me because in this lifetime, my dad, or any man, I've never been raped. I've never been beaten. And I guess you could say I was betrayed or abandoned, but it didn't feel like it. I just kind of clung to that identity because I felt this weird feeling towards masculine energy. So I was just like, uh, let me look at my past. I guess I kind of feel betrayed by my dad when really I didn't. I was born uncomfortable around him. I can confirm it. My mom can confirm it. I didn't want anybody to touch me, especially men, besides my mom. She's the only woman I wanted to be touched by, the only human. Whenever I was with my dad, I was extremely uncomfortable. I remember when I was probably five or six years old, my mom was at night school becoming a nurse, and she had a babysitter come just stay at our apartment on welfare in the ghetto. Mm Mm-hmm. She hired a young girl to come stay at the night so she could go to school while or work while my brother and I slept in our little red bunk bed. And probably around 3 a.m., sometime in the middle of the night, I heard the door slam open, probably even became unhinged. And I heard my babysitter scream and didn't sound like it was good. It sounded like beating. And then the next thing I know, my dad's in my room. 
flips on the light switch. Hey, babies. Hi. Dad? Hi. Oh, my gosh. We haven't seen you in a couple weeks. Hi. And he says, come on. Let's go. We're going to Daddy's house. And I think my brother was excited because, again, he's had this connection to my dad. So he was like, fucking score. Let me grab my blanket. Let's go. But I was just like, okay, well, my big brother's going. My dad looks really, like, extraordinarily happy to see us. So I guess we're going to his house. So he wrapped us both in our comforters and carried us, one in each arm, into his trunk. And I remember the babysitter screaming. It's weird that I didn't process, like, to go tell her. But it's because it was a girl I didn't know. So you think she didn't know that that was your dad? No, she must have. Because I'm pretty sure mom would put numbers on the fridge. This is their dad, this is their grandma, this is... So she must have. Did she ever meet him? No. But she probably pieced it together. Um, But he put us in his truck, smelt like Budweiser, and we drove... I mean, luckily, his apartment was probably a couple miles down the road. Mm -hmm. So he drove us there. We got there, and he had so many boxes of our favorite cereal and he went to the pet store apparently that day and got little like lizards and little like those take home boxes you would get if you went to a pet co and got a lizard and he was like look what I got you guys I've missed you this is for you and Ben went to the lizards and I was like fun and score cereal <laughs> Doris <Rex. laughs> But I, I still just, like, I kind of sat there. I just kept, it's so cute how we're like Hudson and Leighton, me and Ben, totally. I just yeah. kept kind of looking at Ben, like, is he happy and okay? Okay, I guess this is okay. But um, we're just chilling. Ben's playing with the lizard. I'm eating cereal. And it's like, it's kind of weird, but okay. It's kind of cool. Sad, yeah. like the adventure. And the next thing I know, again, the door busts open and like a SWAT team runs and pins my dad to the ground. He is screaming belligerently. I'm lo- I'm just looking at Ben. Like, is he scared? Am I supposed to? It's so cute. I'm just now processing this that I was always have my eyes on him. I was like, what do I do? Yeah. My mom runs in crying, grabs us. I think Ben was pissed. Like, no, we just got here. And I was like, mom. lizards. <laughs> yeah. Got freaking lizards. Why would I leave? And I was just like, mom. I knew I was supposed to be scared, so I just kind of released on her. <clears throat> she was like, Ben, let's go, and she put him in the van. And then I remember the police took my dad out in handcuffs, and as they were, like, pushing his head in the police car, he, I think he requested to say bye to me and Ben. So, like, Ben went over and was like, see ya. And then when I went over, he was like, give me a kiss. And I kissed his mouth, and it tasted so strongly of Budweiser beer. To this day, if I smell it or if I kiss someone who just drank beer, oh, college parties were so triggering just because it wasn't even Budweiser. It was some gross college beer. But the smell of it, I've never drank a beer in my life. And it could be because of that. I don't know. But the smell of it, I can feel his mustache on my lips. That powering. And I remember looking at him crying and shaking and saying goodbye and, like, give me a kiss and just... My heart going, this is not normal. And this feels really uncomfortable. And I don't like this guy because this guy with the stinky breath is the reason why all of this is happening and that my mom, he made my mom cry. And these poor police officers are being forced to be mean to him. And I didn't like him. And so sometime after that, my parents must have agreed on he'll get us every other weekend He had a new wife, and he had a new baby girl, and we went over to his trailer. Mama dropped us off outside, and 
when I walked in, again, I'm looking for Ben's reaction. I'm like, okay, well, Ben's really excited to be here. He just hops right in like he never left. But I, in that moment, felt so many uncomfortable emotions just boiling like a volcano until I couldn't take it anymore, especially when he handed me the baby. and like, this is your new little sister. What? Wait, huh? You have a new what? I've never met her. Never mind meeting. I have a sister. She's tiny. She's in this little pink blanket. What's her What's her name? It was just so much at once that I just dropped and ran under his bed and wailed, screamed. That's where I get this raspy tourist voice. It's from that one day of screaming. And uh, I didn't stop. He tried, his wife tried, everybody, Ben tried. I couldn't. I was so uncomfortable. I told everyone I wouldn't stop. I just said, I want to go home. I want to go home. Finally, he called my mom. She was like, all right. Came and got me, and I don't think I've seen him since. I have, actually. And that's what we were going to talk about in this episode. Is those father wounds. So I'll just stop right there and say that those wounds towards him made me think men are unstable. Just have they always have been in past lives. Uh, I can't trust them. There's always some pin is going to drop when I'm with them. Like from that midnight kidnapping we were having fun eating cereal and then boom door breaks open please are there when i got dropped off at his trailer boom you have a new sister i have a new wife this is where i live whoa when's the pin gonna drop every time i'm in a relationship with a man when's the pin gonna drop can you see how mm-hmm. i behave that way in our relationship because of that mm-hmm. yeah mm. Yeah, I would my my father my father wound the masculine wound isn't as uh, isn't as like strong as yours. Mine's so like your mother wound really isn't that intense. That intense. So like my father wound actually isn't. But in my entire life until I was thirty, I thought it was. So like I I blamed <clears throat> a lot of the negative qualities that I had. I just assumed they were father, they were wounds for my father. My dad was, my dad was an asshole. He was, um, These very... are all like what your mom and other people have told you. Yeah. Then they call him Rick the Prick. Yeah. So yeah, he literally has a nickname, a nickname, RTP. Everybody calls him RTP and it stands for Rick the Prick. But, um, my whole life, like I saw him yell at my mom and I saw things that were, that were pretty fucked up but I was being so manipulated not by him I was being so manipulated by essentially my mom that I thought I had father wounds that turned into be mother wounds mm-hmm. um so of course I have I have the 3D things that come with my dad being physically violent and yelling and just but it's not it doesn't um it's not like way down deep in the core of me. Those are more like surface level things that that I've worked through. But you know, a lot of the a lot of the negative shit that I've had to deal with in my life is actually mother wounds. What was the worst time your dad ever physically beat you? Um when he kicked me into the side of his truck because I wasn't going to tutoring and I hated school. Hated school. So I was skipping even tutoring classes. This was in like, this was like seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how old you are in seventh grade. It was seventh grade. And I was supposed to be going to after school tutorials. 
and I just wasn't going. <clears throat> I just wasn't going. And I'd walk around town. Like, our town was real small in Pleasanton, so I'd, like, walk around town. I'd go do my thing, and then I'd wait until the time that you're supposed to get out of tutorials and walk back <laughs> and act like I just came out. And it just so happened, like, I'm, I'm stupid. Like, the teacher's going to call and be like, hey, Jordan wasn't here today. <laughs> they must have, because I see his truck, and I had this sinking feeling in my stomach, and I'm like, fuck. He had this white work truck. He worked for a company called Design Electric, and it was a white work truck. It had this little headache crack on the back, and I knew it from, like, even afar. I knew what truck it was. And I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh, shit. For some reason, this didn't feel good. I remember getting in the truck. He didn't say a word. And we got home, and all hell broke loose. But even those physical things I went through have been easier to work through than the emotional things that came from my mom. You think so? Because mm -hmm. I've, I've never experienced physical beating, which is weird because in my romantic relationships with men, I have told pretty much all of them, like, I feel like you're going to physically hit me during fights, and none of them would. That was, again, my wound from many past lives. So yeah. in your experience, I'm curious why you believe, since you've had the emotional and the physical abuse, mm -hmm. why do you think one is easier to heal from than the other? Um, I think because I realized... I didn't until, until like just last year, year and a half ago. I always thought it was worse. I always thought I was broken because of my dad and the physical abuse. But that wasn't the reality. What did um, he do to you when you got out of the truck? He pulled me out and then literally like karate kicked me into the side of his, this brown truck that he had that was parked next to where we were at. Where did he kick you at? Your chest or? Uh, I think like in my hip. So like I flew against the... Did it hurt? None of the beatings ever hurt. It's almost like you get, it's like you get, you build up like this hardiness because it happens too often. So the, the... The physical part of it doesn't hurt. The emotional part of it is what hurts because you're like, wow, this is my parent. Like, how could they do this to me? They're supposed to protect me. Yeah. Especially my dad. Yeah, so that's why I hated my dad until not long ago. Because he did protect you? Um, no, just how, how he could do that to me. Mm -hmm. Not so much protect me because there was a lot of moments where he did protect me mm -hmm. that I can remember. Oh, which makes it worse. But, yeah. It's like, how can you protect me in one moment and then yeah. be the pain the next? Yeah, but I will say, my dad never using words to manipulate things. Like, I always knew what it was with him. If he was mad, you're going to get beat. If he was mad, like, I, like, it was very cut and dry with him. So there was no, like, psychological game of, like, am I going to get beat right now or am I not? It's like, nope, yep, I can tell. The way he just said that and the things he's saying, this is what's coming. Um... So in a really fucked up way, it was like cut and dry. So it didn't do as much damage. Like if, it, if, if the physical, yeah, it's predictable. If the, if the physical stuff did damage, then I would have been like a timid dog. Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody raised their hand, I would have flinched. I would have mm -hmm. like, but those weren't. Or became a bully or violent yourself. And I never, I never was. I was never a bully. I became the person who like would stand up for the people being bullied and then essentially That's go home and be bullied so but it was always very cut and dry with him at least mm -hmm. so it did have its it did have its wounds but they were a little easier to work through mm -hmm. than 
the manipulation and the emotional stuff that came with like my mom. And how do you think from, because I always ask my clients this, what did your parents teach you about love? So for you, what did your dad teach you about love? Oh, shit. Um, Everybody always says, oh, shit, that there's, that there's no such thing. Yeah, my dad taught me that there's no such thing as love. How? Like, by telling you that or just? No, actions. Yeah. I never was told, like, I love you. Or not that I can remember. I was never told, like, oh, my God, I love you so much. Or I was never called baby. I'm sure I was until, a, you know, like, four or five, I bet. But, like, everybody can deal or act like they love something for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. That, so he taught you love doesn't exist. Mm-mm. No, I never saw my dad love anything, to be honest. Outside of, like, roping. Do you think that's how you became just, like, so grown up so quick? Like, when I ask you, what was your favorite thing to do? What was your favorite board game to play? And you're like, I've never played any board game. <laughs> I've never gone on any fun adventures. I never <clears throat> went to college and had fun. Never mm-hmm. went on camping trips with my friend. Like, nothing, because mm-hmm. he taught you that there is no love. And if there's no love for someone else, there's no love in life, period. Yeah. So that was from him? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Two, wait till we get to mom. I got some answers for those. Yeah, so before we step into moms, let's compare our father wounds. So what did my dad teach me about love? Um, Well, it's hard because after the age of five, six, seven, mama moved us to New Hampshire and I never heard from him again. Um, Well, that'd be the thing. That love is disconnect, maybe. That love is... That love doesn't last. That everyone at some point will hurt you and betray you. Yeah. That love, yeah. But kind of nothing. Like, I even say that, but that's not even from him. That's from the past lives of many masculine wounds. He was just, I really think he was just a vessel but of, in, of getting me here on earth. And he was also just like, my soul looked at him and said, yeah, yeah, fuck men. I don't, I don't trust any of them. Get out of here. I really don't care. I never had any desire to go see him again. I will say, when I got engaged at age 21... I thought, okay, well, i got to plan a wedding. And while your parents play a pretty big role in your wedding, your dad's supposed to walk you down the aisle. So I thought, for whatever reason, I guess I should call my dad and tell him, I'm engaged, I'm getting married, do you want to come to my wedding? I don't know why. It's so bizarre to go back and think, why the fuck? But I was in, I was 21. I was still learning, I was still growing. And so I tried to kind of rekindle the relationship. And I mainly did it, now it's coming back, because I wanted to look him in the eyes and say, hey, I don't hate you. I don't have any animosity towards you. Like, I wanted to give, how sad is this? I was born with a job, and my job was to parent him and tell him, hey, I don't have any anger towards you. I'm not upset that I didn't grow up with you. You didn't raise me. I have a lot of gratitude for you for giving me life. So that's why I really wanted to go see him, tell him that, free him from any burden or guilt he may have felt from not being in my life. And maybe he would want to come to my wedding. Doesn't have to walk me down the aisle, but at least attend and have a good time. And um, I went to his house, and I remember thinking, please don't drink, please don't drink. And he didn't. He didn't have a single sip of beer, any alcohol. He made a great dinner. Um, my fiance at the time was with us, my half-sister and my stepsister were there, love them to this day, they're really awesome girls, and my, well, I don't even want to say my stepmom, his wife was there too, and 
I remember going off and talking to her and hearing things from her that my dad didn't know, thinking, oh my God, there's some twisted dynamics and drama. Like, I just, no, this is not, we don't have this much drama in me, mom, and Ben's tribe. I don't even want to come into this. But I noticed she began to drink a lot of wine. And she was drinking so much red wine that she had, like, that red lipstick women or men get when they're drinking red wine on their upper lip. And I remember thinking, whoa, she knocks this shit back. But I was there for my dad. I wanted to see him. So I would go in his pool barn, look at old pictures. I mean, he has a whole room in his barn of my brother and I's baby pictures. I mean, a collage, a mural. Like, we laugh saying some parents have that and you think their kid's dead. But they're just, he has that. Which kind of made me feel like, whoa, all my life, the story I told myself was he moved on, left it, whatever. But you go in his man cave where he drinks and listens to music. And there's a whole wall, especially of pictures of my brother, his only son. I can understand. Yeah. But I remember seeing it and thinking, ooh, God, this doesn't feel good. The energy in here does not feel light and airy. Yeah. And so the night went on. His almost said ex-wife, whoa, prophetizing this. (laughs) She kept drinking. And she got schlobbered. She got hammered and I remember at one point her just looking at me like and she said you're just like your fucking mom and I was like whoa hold the phone I just looked over at my fiance's face at the time and he was like uh oh what am I supposed to do in this situation I'm an Aquarian I don't want to be here and I was like fuck uh and so I remember she started just like cussing me out it was almost as if her anger towards my mom and perhaps jealousy was coming out at me because I was now a grown woman who looked a lot like my mom when she was at this age and she was just drunk and belligerent and was yelling and cussing me out. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at my dad's face and seeing the terror and the anger like flying out of his pupils towards her. She was holding a water hose, like just holding it. And she was like, Jim, what are you doing? She's like watering the flowers, and he's like <laughs> just going on the road. <laughs> Libra, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Literally, no, no my dad's a Libra with a oh, Scorpio yeah, moon. Right. Pair that. Me and my dad have Scorpio moons. Ooh, gets juicy. We ain't done. So he goes and deals with her. I immediately tell Mitch like, "We're out. Let's get the fuck out of here. I'm yeah. not waiting to see how this ends. We're leaving." So we didn't even say goodbye. We just got in our car took off and I remember just going home and like my family saying how was it is everything good and me being like I'll tell you in the morning boy my family wanted to show up there and have a gang fight and say how fucking dare you but the thing is it wasn't my dad it was his wife if she wouldn't have said anything it would have been a really awesome night yeah so that could be a whole other podcast episode on why that happened but um I remember my sisters telling me that Like, he was pissed. She started throwing up after I left, and he was just yelling at her and going crazy. So, that was a wound, thinking, okay, I thought I could have my dad walk me down the aisle. Not going to (laughs) happen, clearly. He did say after that that he would attend my wedding, and a week before my wedding day, his wife called me and said, he doesn't feel good. He's not going to make it. Neither of us are. So, congrats. And what's what's messed up is you don't even know the real story. So she could have said that to you, but she could have told him, like, hey, Steph Colton doesn't want you there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. 
And the last story I'll share on my end about father wounds is, well, you can share this one with me because you were there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, after that, after the wedding fiasco in 2013, I said, no more. Like, I, told, I looked him in the eye and I did tell him, like, I love you. Thank you for giving me life. Do, please don't hold any guilt for not growing up together because I don't have any. So I felt good getting that off my shoulders, whether he absorbed it or not. So that was 2013. Let's flash forward to 2020, just last year. My brother, as you guys who follow me on social media know, my brother has epilepsy, and he had a really bad cluster of them last Thanksgiving, where a cluster of grand malls is where you just have seizure after seizure after seizure. And just point blank, this is how you die from epilepsy, is unable to get out of a seizure. So he ended up in ICU for a week, and it was very traumatizing, very scary, really made us think, wow, his life is so fragile. And ever since then, he's been on disability and can no longer work because of the loss of brain cells. He was a software engineer and can no longer function like that. So it was very, very traumatic. Oh, so scary. Just I can throw up thinking about it, the call from Mama. Um, But my brother, when he came back into consciousness, was like, realizing, wow, I almost died and this could happen again anytime. I want to talk to my dad. I just want to talk to him. So my mom dealing with that on her own again. She has no partner. She goes at this alone. My brother unable to communicate fully. They all looked at me and said, can you hook this up? And I didn't second guess it at all. I thought my brother literally is about to die. So of course I will do what I can, make the calls, send the texts, find a way to contact my dad and get him to call my brother so they can talk. If that's like his last wish on his deathbed, mm-hmm. I'm going to make it happen. So wheel and deal, finally get in contact with my dad. We're texting. Things are good. He's got a grandson. He loves. He's retired, living his life, loving it. And I was like, okay, here's Ben's email. Here's his number. If you could just shoot him a message or call, he would. it would just make his day in the hospital. And he was like, all right, got it. Well... Later that night, you and I are enjoying homemade soup. Mm -hmm. My phone goes off, and it's like 11 o'clock at night because you got home late from the airport, but we had dinner. And I'm like, who is that? And you look at my phone because it's in the middle of us, and you're like, oh, it's your dad. And I was like, "Uh," I just had a sinking feeling because I was like, my dad is old. Why is he awake at midnight? Yeah. This, like you with your dad in the truck. We just had that sinking feeling of, oh, dear. Mm -hmm. So we open the messages, and we look at it together. And... I kind of blacked out because I've never been spoken to like that by anyone, male, female, old, young, in my life. I Do you remember what it said? All I remember is the part that said, fuck you, bitch. Yeah, fuck put, you, put bitch. Put this on your podcast, you fucking bitch. Yeah, put this on your podcast, you fucking bitch. Well, There was more to it than that, but like I don't remember the rest of it. That's the last part. I was like, what in the fuck? Yeah, well, dad, here's your wish. Yeah, there it <laughs> Granted, is. you yeah. got a Scorpio moon, but you gave birth to me and I got one too, so let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like people are cracking up right now, like, the pettiness, I'm here for it. It's not being petty. This is just We're what just happened. About, yeah. And was he drunk? 100%, Probably. of course, because yeah. I ended up sending screenshots to my half-sisters and saying, like, is this normal? And they were like, oh, yes, this is what we grew up with our entire lives. This is his routine. Whenever he feels emotion of anything, which guarantees seeing my name pop up and then seeing my brother in the hospital just made him, oh, God, reach for the bottle, drink. I don't want to feel mm-hmm. this. And then when he drinks, anger comes out. Yeah. And 
he took it out on me. You only reach out when you want something, you fucking bitch, baby. It's like, yeah. I didn't want anything besides for you to say hi to your son. And that's not even my job to get yeah. you to do that. But yeah, he cussed me out, called me some awful names. Um, yeah. And that was, I just blocked him because I was in shock. Shock. I had always heard that he spoke to people like that, but it never, ever happened to me directly. So when it did, I was just like, it didn't hurt my feelings. It felt like reading comments on Instagram from someone saying shit like that to me. Just, you don't, it kind of hurts, but at the end of the day, you can put your phone away and say, I don't know them. They don't know me. It's whatever. They're projecting. But, whoa, I think that was the beginning of me realizing I have got a masculine wound because he's saying this stuff and it's shocking, but I don't care. If I find out he dies next week, I'm not going to his funeral. I don't know him. And I think funerals are a celebration of life. His life didn't do anything for me. I don't want to celebrate it. Am I being Scorpio petty? I don't know, because on the flip well, on the flip side of everything, they say unconditional love is loving somebody no matter Yeah, but at the same time, like once there's a difference between unconditional love and boundaries, and once boundaries are crossed, then yeah. like there doesn't need to be a love there. But I remember seeing all that, and it felt normal to me, which is kind of fucked up now because that's all I ever saw. Yeah. So it was it was weird watching you be shocked, but me feeling like yeah, I see that shit all the time. Why is she shocked? Oh wait, she's shocked because this is not. Like, I've never. This isn't in like, my life. Yeah. No man has ever talked to my mom like that in front of me or ever. She would have told me never. Yeah, that's why whenever, like, you see somebody send me something like, uh, yes. you're, you're a fucking piece of shit like your dad. It's yes. like, it literally goes in one ear and out the other because that has been my normal. It makes me want to shit myself. It's like, you get text messages like that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so sad. Yeah. So, what did my dad teach me about love? <clears throat> How does that wound with him affect our relationship? Um, well, let, let me go back to my past marriage. I chose a man who was safe, who was flatlined, who was mm-hmm. stable. There was no highs and lows. Mm-hmm. My dad represented highs and lows, especially fear. And so I wanted to be with a masculine because I was so afraid of them, yet reincarnated to mate with a masculine person. I just chose someone who was pretty much mute. Chose a feminine. Chose a feminine. More feminine. Yes, he was way more in his feminine. Yeah. And he was mute. He didn't, we didn't fight. We didn't laugh too much. Like it was just easy and comfortable and safe. But that's not a relationship. That's called a trauma bond. Mm-hmm. That's a trauma bond. And so with our relationship, um, I think a lot of it gets brought up because uh, you have children with someone else who is also pretty toxic, like my dad. And so it triggers a lot of past emotions. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely sense when I share with my mom, like, our relationship situation, she definitely takes your ex's side because she's like, well, I've been a single mom before without her even asking, like, is she remarried? Does she have a new partner? What's she like? Mm-hmm. She just automatically projects and assumes. So I don't know if my dad really affects our relationship. I've done so much growth we have since the beginning that it's really hard to even go back and imagine but I do it is hard for me to feel safe and trust you mm-hmm. I tell you that openly all the time from this lifetime with a father wound and also from just the masculine wound inherited from Atlantis from 
all kinds of other past lives. Yeah. Ooh, get that wind. No more lightning. No more. So there's the gist of my... These are some wounds that I haven't shared on the podcast because I didn't want my dad or fucking anybody connected to him to listen and say, you won't believe what your daughter said on her show. Like, if he wants to share his side and how he saw it and why he called his daughter a fucking bitch, I'll give him the mic on my own show. Like, go ahead. We'd love to hear. I love psychology and connecting the stories. But how would you feel if your dad listens to this? Do you feel bad? Nope. Or do you think you're embarrassing him? Or? Nope. I have never. I don't know what it is within me. Maybe it's like an unevolved side mm-hmm. of me, but I could care less about other people's feelings when it comes to my truth and saying things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no. Would it be <clears throat> Would it be hard for me to... It, it's harder for me to state truths and facts about our relationship that I think might upset you than, like, I could care Aww. less about mom, dad, like... But I was, <clears throat> I was raised around that kind of energy. I was raised around, like, in a sense, like, fuck other people's feelings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the energy I was raised in. But a lot of my wounds come out. Who raised you like that, mom or dad? <clears throat> or both? Uh, well, f- I think physically with my own, like, eyes, my dad. But with my ears, my mom. Mm. Yeah. Like, my dad's actions were very much like, fuck other people's feelings, fuck other people. When did you discover you had a wound with your mom? Jesus, not until you helped me figure it out. Not until, uh, actually, it wasn't, you pointed it out, but I didn't believe you. No, and I didn't even point out, like, intentionally. No. It was in astrology school, and I was looking at your chart, and knowing you had a deep father wound from what you had told me, Uh I was studying, and I was trying to find it in your birth chart. This was the very beginning of my astrology school. And I was like, I don't see a father wound in your chart, but what is so prominent is a mother wound. And I was like, but you love your mom. I like your mom. I talk. I've met her. She's cool. Oh, it was like simultaneously I was studying astrology and just briefly mentioned like, do you have a wound you haven't told me about? Because your birth chart screams it. And then I met her in person for the first time yeah. and your body language towards her was so uncomfortable, closed off, arms mm-hmm. crossed, lips sealed. And that had the- been... And I was like, what are you doing? This is your mom. I was so convinced that when we walked in, you were going to jump in her arms and give her a kiss and be like, mom, like so Texas style. But you didn't even touch her. And you stood in the corner of the room with your arms crossed. So uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was was like, what undercurrent have you not told me about? It wasn't undercurrent I didn't even know about. Like, Mm -hmm. and then when I look at the reality of it, it's like, well, my whole life, I never ate after her. I wouldn't drink after her. I would not touch anything her mouth touched. You never snuggled your I mama? I never snuggled my mom. Not, not that I can remember. So maybe I did before like seven or eight. But once I can consciously remember, no. Absolutely I not. I still snuggle in my mom's neck today. <laughs> yeah, because you had a mom. And a dad. I always one. tell her, can I go back in my womb? I don't like this life. <laughs> She's like, get the fuck off of me. No. <laughs> I have never been an affectionate person, like, period. Period. But when I mentioned that in your birth chart, there's like, hey, I've been studying astrology tonight. Yours says, according to my book here, that you have a big mother wound. What is this? No, like, I don't... No, she's never beat me. She's Mm -hmm. never... 
Oh, but man. So when did you finally realize, oh, wait a second. When I realized how much I disliked her and wanted to just stab her in the face that night in Austin. Scorpio moon? Would I ever do it? No. But whenever like these flares of, when these flares of anger or anything come up that you've never felt before, like, it's like, wait, what the fuck? What is this? And so whenever I was laying with the boys and just text her like, hey, do you mind laying with them so I can grab something to eat? I'm really hungry. And then when she walked in the room like 20 minutes later, yeah. I was like, dude, A, I'm a Virgo. I know it doesn't take but like four minutes to maybe have your last margarita and like come lay with them. Yep. But then when I smelled her smelling like cigarettes before she even walked in, I said to myself, you got to be fucking kidding me. Mm-hmm. And it just like there was this rage within me that was like, fuck her. Mm-hmm. And then I started having a like, like the flashbacks, and then we talked afterward, like downstairs. Yeah, fuck her. <laughs> Jesus, what everything just fell off of the couch. We were just playing this back and listening to what that wind. So the wind knocked our screen out in our bathroom. It was pretty wild, and yeah. then a bag of Epsom salt fell. So that's what you just heard. And we're sitting here listening to it over and over, like, should we delete it out? But nah, it's like the energy of yeah. Earth is with us in this episode. So continue on. Yeah. So, anyways, when she walked upstairs and I smelled the smoke, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, and I started having all these, like, angry flashes. And I'm like, wow, I realize a lot of things now. Not not everything that I do today, but, like, there was some realizations in that were like, wow. This whole time I thought my dad was a really bad person. And although he does have, like, his his tendencies, at least with him, it was cut and dry. Like, he was either pissed or he was not. Mm-hmm. Simple. You knew. Like, there was no hiding. Mm-hmm. He didn't manipulate it, which, yeah, you could say is scary too, but still, there was no guessing game with him. But I just thought to myself, I wonder what things I heard that I don't even remember whenever I was younger, like, that I heard my mom say, like, heard my mom talk shit about my dad, but yet when my dad was around, it was like, oh, hey, how are you? Um, like there had to have been so many instances where, you know, like, uh, whenever I was young and I think it was like seven and I was throwing up and we were at a Super Bowl party and I was like, mom, I just want to go home. I don't feel good. And I'm sitting in bed by myself throwing up Ugh. while my mom and her friends are outside drinking. And I started just thinking like, wow, my dad is not the problem. My mom is the reason that. I have two kids that I should not have had because I was trying to, like the people pleasing within me came from my mom. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I just started thinking about all the shit that I've done in my life or that I haven't done or haven't said, because if I'd lived the life like my dad, I would have been an honest asshole because that was my dad. My dad didn't lie. Never. Not once. It's admirable. But he really came off as an asshole. I grew up my whole life lying, but why? You, you know what I mean? Where did I see it? I don't like, be like my dad. That, but like at the same time, like how many times did I watch my mom lie? And you didn't even know. And I didn't even know. You know, like um, the the situation that time with we went to the river with this guy Jimmy Sprules, and like we were with all these other people, and my dad was at work, and we got back. And my dad flipped out on my mom 
because I'm assuming now, what I know now, is that maybe my mom didn't say what her plans were because she was probably hiding something from him. And then I got sucked into the middle of it. And my dad asked me, like, well, what happened today? Did she sit by him? Did, did they do this? What happened, Bob? And I was just like, so I shouldn't be in this situation, but neither should my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad shouldn't have been in this situation to even have to ask me that. Because if my mom was an honest, transparent person, that would have never happened. Yeah. So how I connected my father wounds into my first marriage, how my dad was so unstable that Mm -hmm. I went for the most stable person that was just safe and comfortable and Mm -hmm. never rocked the boat, but never helped me grow. How do you think your wound with your father attracted your first marriage? Um unconsciously seeing what I thought my whole life was a good person in my mom. So my idea of a good person was the qualities that my mom had, which were exactly the qualities that my ex-wife had or has. And my dad putting up with all he did and not removing himself from the situation was exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, So my dad accepted things he didn't deserve and treatment he didn't deserve. Of course, he had his own stuff. He shouldn't have probably been doing, but like, he didn't remove himself from the lies and the cheating, just like I didn't. And, but this whole this whole perception of what a good woman was was based on what I saw. And what you see as a little boy is your mom. Mm-hmm. So if what you see is your mom, and that's supposed to be the person that you look up to and that you want to essentially marry one day. Mm-hmm then why would you not marry the exact same person? Exactly. Yeah, that's in all the psychology books. It's in all the Instagram posts. We go for our mom and dad. And uh, even my mom, like, she's the one who raised me. And so the person that I was previously married to was very much like, we didn't call each other babe or baby, like, no pet names. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think we said I love you every day, maybe, like, on birthday cards or something. Um, it, it was that, it was that detachment and sad to think, but if we had kids, it probably would have kept that dynamic going where mm-hmm. I would love on my kids at first, but I would never call them baby or tell them I love them or kiss them because yeah. it kept that pattern going. So how do you think your mom and dad represent your first marriage? Oh, that same way. It's just my mom literally represents the person I was with, like, in yeah. every way, shape, and form. Down to the alcohol. And my dad is the is the portion of me that couldn't remove myself from it because mm-hmm. apparently what I saw is you're supposed to put up with it, I guess. You're not really... You're not supposed to change. Like, yeah. Now, it's how like, do you think it. we haven't exposed those triggers into our relationship. I think I'm polar opposite of your ex as you are mine. Mm-hmm. So how how did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> You're calm, cool, collected, and honest, and I mm-hmm. am free and exciting and... You have emotion. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And with you, I call you babe and baby. And it's so funny because my ex and I used to make fun of people who were like, mm-hmm. oh, all they do is call them babe. Yeah. Call them baby. Yeah. <laughs> Same. And now here we are. Yep. 
Baby. And I used to, yeah, I'd, I'd chime in with him, like, yeah, oh, they sound so stupid. Babe, babe. <laughs> and here I am. Yeah. Hey, babe, will you grab me? Babe? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just simply because we didn't have that energy. We didn't have that romantic bond, mm-hmm. that intimacy. I think when you're really intimate with someone, not sexually, just emotionally, you call them names like that. Yeah. I, that's a part of being best friends or even just being friends before being in a relationship that's probably the most important is when you're friends with somebody like you said from the beginning like the get-go like if if i was just your friend still like there'd be no triggers at all and so when you are friends from the get-go of course there's still going to be triggers that come up because you're working through your own stuff as am i but like the foundation was friends and so you can almost like remove yeah. that hat. Whenever I get it triggered as your girlfriend, I can revert back to, okay, if he was just my friend right now, like he was for the first year, how would I feel about this? Oh, I would laugh it off. Got it. Let's tap into that. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think, because for a lot of people, they continuously are subconsciously attracted to the same type of people, just in a different body. How do you think you and I completely did a 180 and attracted each other? We, I don't know about you. I got, it's probably the same, but I got honest because I had no place to go but be honest with the, I know you'll say I'm not, but like (laughs) I had to get honest with the quote unquote piece of shit that I was because everyone saw it. So like there was no hiding anymore. So now that there's no hiding, that means you have like this sense of freedom. I can be whoever I want to be now. Yeah, like I can now I can create a character that I may not be, but like I don't have to be what I've been trying to pretend to be this whole time because everybody thinks I'm a piece of shit now. So it's like, oh, this feels good. Like it hurt, of mm. course, it hurt your ego because you were trying to pretend to be something you weren't. You got called out, but like now you can become something oh, really. Yeah, are. you can become something different. So then you start asking like. That's when you start having like, uh, so it worked out perfect. Like I found spirituality at the same time I found out I was a massive piece of shit. So then I could then use spirituality to be like, okay, well, like what lessons are in this? Or, you know, what like, spirituality was a saving grace because it's like a very, it's like a kind Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like its own Bible. It's, but it's sure. not as, yeah, you get, to, you get to be your own Bible with like a very, a very broad set of guidelines that just have boundaries as where, you know, if you get into other religions, it's like, you can't do this. Well, Mm -hmm. spirituality to me was like, you can do this if it feels good, just don't cross this boundary. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, finally getting to Mm -hmm. own that I was a piece of shit, that I had a lot of tendencies and actions that were I don't think you were a piece of shit I know I think I know that you I've been biting my tongue so hard you're not and I think that's your father wound coming out is because your dad would talk to you like that so that's why you like David Goggins and people like that who are like get up off your ass go work out today and be your best self and it's like to me like I understand why some people resonate with that but I guarantee if you do a psychological poll 75 to 80% of those people grew up in homes where their dad was abusive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they just learned to they just learned to harness if it someone and create something. If someone screams at me, get up through this. I'm like, no. 
Sag. <laughs> that, and I was never, I was just raised around be an individual, make your own decisions. I don't need to yell at you and get a point across. I'll just have a conversation with you. And it just makes me sad. You're not a piece of shit. You were surrounded by people. Everybody's got piece of shit characters in them. We all do. Oh, yeah. But when you're, it comes out when you're around the people that bring it out. Mm-hmm. And of course, as we've said in one of these podcast episodes, everything is your fault. So, yeah, but it is nice to be around people to bring it out. So then you can get well, rid I of it. Feel it beautifully said. That's why we always say I don't regret any relationship we've been in because we learned so much yeah. from it. So how I use my mother and my father wounds towards our relationship is I just bring awareness to them. During our low moments, I will stop. And like Nicole's book said, you've got to take the key to breaking patterns is to bring what you've learned into real time. When you are triggered and your blood pressure is high and your cheeks are red, can you stop, drop, and bring what you know, the new knowledge you have gained? And so for me, I stop and think, am I acting like my mom? Am I acting like my dad? My mom, my grandma, my great-grandma, they died alone. They did not die with partners. And is this next decision I'm about to make or the next word I'm about to say going to push me towards that? Or do I need to say the thing that's uncomfortable and kind of makes me cringe but brings me closer to love and union with a male partner? Yeah. So how do you use your very deep-seated mother and father wounds to foster a beautiful connection with me i've just had this thing since i was young and i don't know where i saw it or how i learned it that i flip everything like in the beginning of our relationship i told you you know all these negative thoughts i just flip them like i flip them so i i do the opposite (laughs) i just harness the opposite of what their actions and words were and that's the way that i go Hmm. So you stop and think, okay, what would my dad do in this situation? Call her a fucking bitch and say, Mm -hmm. get out. Well, what is the opposite of that? Mm -hmm. Give her a hug and say, what can I do to be better? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would my mom do in this moment? Oh, she would probably go outside and have a drink and text some dude she's cheating on my dad with. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to do the opposite. I am going to make her a mocktail and say, hey, we're going to have a gratitude toast together. Oh, Oh, yeah, wow. I flip I flip everything. That's a really beautiful exercise that I think a lot of people are going to benefit from. Yeah, I just try and flip everything. What Negative thoughts, everything. Of what they would do. Mm-hmm. Do you ever apply that into being a dad? Um, yeah. Have you ever had, like, the boys are four and five now, have you ever had any moments where you're like, oh my God, I'm acting like my mom right now. Oh, I just did what my dad would do. Yeah. Yeah. But... I, st- I bring enough awareness to it that, that I don't do that it. I don't either do it again or I don't become what they were. Like, mm. there's been many moments where I've been frustrated with the boys to the point where my dad would have spanked me or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I try and flip it. I try and flip everything. It doesn't always work, but, like, most of the time it does. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That'll have to be a whole other podcast episode on how... Mother-father wounds affect parenting. I mean, mm-hmm. even though you're a part-time parent, co-parenting, would you say that having children brings out the mother and father wounds again? Like marriage brings it out round one, round two, if you haven't healed it, comes out when you have kids? Oh, yeah. Wow. How important. Like, look at the significance. Like, no pressure to parents out there. 
But mm-hmm. like, wow. Yep. We always say over here, this is just part of our psychological talks that from age zero to five, like that is the, that would, if we had happy, healthy, safe, comfortable children, would there be war? Would there be no. triggers? Would there be jealousy? Like if we teach them during their becoming you yeah. years. Well, we're, we're, but that's the thing. We're in a world full of being reactive instead of proactive. Mm-hmm. That's why I said in mm-hmm. my little story the other day, it's like, I don't, and, and you made me think of it. It's like, I don't want to be validated. Don't ever validate me because that means that I wasn't proactive to begin with because validation is a reactive state. So some people want to be validated and you're valid for wanting to be validated. But mm-hmm. I would rather try and be proactive so validation isn't even on the table because mm-hmm. it's kind of like with kids and adults. We're trying to validate adults instead of hear children. That's, that's deep. I don't even know if I get that, but I kind of do. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So. <sighs> if I heard, think about it. If I heard what you said clearly on the front side, I then wouldn't have to validate a way that you didn't. Like if I, if I listened to begin with, with my ears and my eyes and my heart and didn't do something, then I would never have to validate a way you're feeling after the fact. So like we talk about Layla, if I would have listened fully, like open-heartedly listened, Um, then there would be no validating how you felt after the fact. Hmm? Wow, you should write a book. Like, So that's where it's like children. It's like, so think about it. Validation is adults. Hearing it is children. So if on the front side you listen wholeheartedly and do what's best for a child... You then don't have an adult that you have to validate later. Damn, that's a bar. I want to share one more bar. It's with Aaliyah. Aaliyah, if you're listening to this, I love you. Thanks for the good conversations. She shared something with me yesterday about how a lot of people don't admit they have mother wounds. Because in our society, it is so easy to point the finger at dad because what? Masculine energy, Mars, Mm -hmm. war, toughness, men are tough. They can take it. So we're very quick to say, my dad's an ass. But if you want to turn around and say, my mom, she she raised me and fed me and gave me clothes and gave me baths, but you know what I mean? It is not, we feel guilty when we say bad things about our moms, even if they deserve it. Yeah, well, I think that's, but it's, I like, I'll point back to my story. My mom manipulated me to think that she was the victim. Mm-hmm. And my dad was very cut and dry. So it's easy to say, fuck the cut and dry, because it's cut and dry. You were an asshole. Screw you. You're an asshole. Like, you're the reason that I am this way. It's like, no, it's deeper than that. The reason I am the way I am is because of the manipulation that I watched. Yeah. And thinking that my mom was the victim this whole time when actually... There wasn't any victim, but my dad was more of the victim. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's easy to point the finger at the cut and dry. How did you feel when you had that huge epiphany? Was it like, oh my god, my whole life was a lie, or like, no. how did it feel? It was, it was, it was like, oh wow, now wonder I didn't do did it this. Click? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like now wonder I never drank after her. And people would be like, you don't drink after your own mom. No, you don't hug and kiss your mom. It's like no, and I chalked it up to like, well, my dad's unemotional, like. So I'm just unemotional. Did your brother ever hug and kiss her or drink after her? Yeah. Oh, so it was literally <clears throat> you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Logan was affectionate to her. Were you affectionate in your marriage? No. Oh, God, no. Did you drink yeah, out, out, No. <laughs> you literally did share nope. a cup with your wife. Nope. And even if I did, <laughs> if I happened <laughs> but to... But you probably make two kids. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> but we yeah. won't but share again, that's what, I, that's what I learned. That's what I learned is that that sex wasn't a sacred act. That sex was a that sex was a fuck you. I'm going to talk shit about you, and then I'm going to dump this energy on you. That's what I learned. So many people do that. Yeah. I'd, I'd hear my mom and dad fighting and then hear them fucking right after. Oh, God. And it's like, it's like, okay, oh, so this is... so sad. This is normal, I guess. No, you don't think it's normal, but then it just becomes a conditioning. Well, if you don't know anything else... Yeah. By yeah. default, it becomes normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, we... God. Such intensity. That is chaos in your, in your mm-hmm. soul. Just stirring. Chaos feels good because those are the two extremes. Fucking fighting. There is no calm. Hey, let's all just sit here and have dinner and stare at this Texas sunset and just yeah. sit in peace. That's very foreign to you. We do it now, but I can tell it makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> not anymore. No, yes. not anymore. Wow. But no, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I like it. Feels good. Yeah. Feels comfortable. Yep. Feels safe. Yep. Wow. You should pat yourself on the back. That is a long way to come from that to this. Yep. Oh, my goodness. You look defeated. Huh? You look defeated. No. What's on your Virgo mind? How to make money. (laughs) Are you seriously thinking about business? No. Stop it. I pull myself from thinking about it. I know your facial expressions. You're thinking about something. You're doing the mouth thing. Now. Well, I started thinking about business because we said it. No, we're talking. We're on a podcast right now. I know, but you said the B word, and then I started thinking about it. Mm. No, I just think the same thing. Like, wow, I was literally played. Started from the bottom, now you're here. I was literally played, like like everyone, majority of people, we're literally played by somebody, and we don't even realize we're being played. And it just so happens that that has to be, it ends up being your parent. And then even when you try and bring something to their attention on how they were manipulating you, you get then dismissed. they, yeah, you get dismissed or they get, or they play victim themselves. And it's like, ah, this is how you've been your whole life. You've played victim your whole life. So like, no wonder my dad felt the way he did. Yeah, and again, this isn't an episode to bash our parents because they don't even know. Like, if your mom were sitting here, I would love to record with her, actually. If she'd she played victim. But if we were to tell her, you're playing victim right now, she would be like, how? What do you mean? I mm-hmm. don't get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't wake up and say, I'm going to play victim today. No, It's just yeah. subconsciously yeah. programmed into the minds of these people. Yeah. And it's sad. Yeah. And it takes a lot of... I mean, my mom's 58, and she is just scratching the surface. Yeah. And unpacking her stuff. Yeah, but you got to, God, you have to look at, you have to look at yourself in a mirror every once in a while and like, right? not just look at the makeup, like look deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Because even if my mom were to listen to this episode, this would, uh, I'll trigger her and she'll probably cry and drink a margarita and smoke a cigarette <laughs> and cuss on her back porch <laughs> and then get in her pool and then probably drink another margarita and then say that I'm just an asshole like my dad and... I know it. I could <laughs> play, play, play. Yeah, play by my play. mom's gonna be in the car on the way to my brother's house and just be like, "Huh, yeah, damn, uh. damn stuff." Okay, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> All right. My dad's gonna listen to it and be like, "I'm gonna find that." I'm no, gonna find that gonna... bitch. I'm gonna go and drink in my shit. <laughs> God damn! I was a plumber. I used to be a plumber. <laughs> I did everything for that girl. 
Yeah, I know it. That's how people are. It's how victim mentality works. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to play the victim like with yourself for a minute, but then you have to like understand why you're playing the victim, and go make yourself margarita. I can't. Stop. Wait, we didn't do your dad. What's your dad gonna do when he listens? I don't. You know, I think my dad's my dad's more understanding than I ever thought. Yeah. Now would he now would he listen to this and be like, oh shit. Yeah, JL, you're right. I love you, but no. <laughs> but would he listen to it and be like, oh, he's full of shit. But really what he means by that is like, was that a problem? Would he ever own it? No, because he's too masculine to do that. But as soon as he said, oh, full of shit, he would walk off, go get his horse that he probably didn't feed all day because it acted <laughs> up, and then saddle him up and go to a rope and drink a Bud Light. <laughs> He'd hook up the four-star trailer, 16-foot short wall. <laughs> Put four horses in it and go to a rodeo. Play by play. Stop at Waterburger on the way. Yeah, literally. No, on the way back. Yeah, on the way back. Virgos and their attention to people's details. It's a gift and a curse. So funny. Oh gift my and a God, curse. I'm crying. It's, it is. Do you think people think we're fucked up for like laughing at this? I mean... You have to. You need comedic relief because this shit is heavy and it's hard. Yeah. But when you make it out and you realize, oh, I don't have to be a victim and say, my childhood was so shitty. You can choose to use it for your benefit. This is big Scorpio energy rising from the ashes, turning poison into medicine. It becomes comical. And you realize your parents were just vessels for you to enter this world and become a light worker. Who does this? Turns poison into medicine for yourself and our community. Yeah, and there's a difference too. Like, there's a big difference in talking shit about people and gossiping about people mm -hmm. and speaking the reality of a situation that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. Like, it's different. Like, if, if I were talking about my mom or dad and it had it was things that had nothing to do with me, that would be gossip. Um, but the fact is, like, we're talking about my wounds. Your perspective. This is my perspective. This is my table, my mic. And I'm literally telling... The, the reality of my life and the reality of how it it's gone yeah so, so sitting on our parental table we've got a Leo your dad's a Gemini right um, yeah he's a Gemini really yeah because he's born in June so my mom is a, a Leo. Leo with a Hold Aries keep oh, basics okay. we're doing sun signs okay. so we've got a Leo a Gemini yep. a Libra and an Aquarius yeah I think the only one out of the four that would actually come on a show if we did a part two of like let's Aquarius. bring the parents to the red table talk so to yeah. speak my mommy Aquarius would be the only one that was like yeah. let's do it yeah how funny astrology has yet proved me wrong the second runner up that I would guess would be Gemini yeah my dad would my dad probably would but then he would just come on and if you get him if you get him caught in a moment, he just literally is like, oh, you're full of shit. But he, I you're think he would still be like, all right, fine. Gemini, talk, 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 talk. The thing is, shit, his Gemini might talk about things that I never even knew. Ooh, are you ready for that? Yeah. <laughs> now, would the Leo and the Libra? <laughs> no, they would go off together, drink margaritas and, and Budweiser, and talk about how great of parents they were. <laughs> He owns all this stuff, and she took us yeah. to Cancun, and yeah, and then they have a toast, a gratitude toast to how amazing they were. Yeah, and then take shots. Yeah, call it a day. Yep. So, do you have anger towards your mom? Um, a little bit. Do you have anger towards your dad? A lot less than you used to. Yeah. 
My I anger meter used to probably be like 70 or probably like 80% towards my dad, 20% to my mom, and I didn't even know why. And now it's probably opposite, completely opposite. 80% mm-hmm. mom, 20% dad. Yeah, I have no anger towards my mom. I have triggers, but I don't have any anger at all. And towards my dad, no. I will say I am a bit fearful of him listening to this just because of those awful berating words he said to me. But I think that it's so important for us to share our story because if we don't, we let the bullies win. Yeah, and it's not it's not a it's not a matter of like tit for tat, and it's not a matter of like I need to be the last no, word. It's a matter of like I recorded it that December. I wouldn't have waited eight months. Yeah, it's just a matter of like letting go of what needs to be let go of and yeah. speaking learning to speak your truth regardless of whose feelings are involved like do you think it's weird that let's say my dad listened to this and mm-hmm. had a change of heart and whatever reason decided to contact me and apologize and then you and I went on to have children I still wouldn't <clears throat> want them to know who he is and I would accept an apology but I would never want to be in communication with him ever again. Is that just my Scorpio? Or is that just me saying I want to leave my table open for good energy that yeah. is trustworthy? There's there's boundaries. Like when boundaries are crossed in any relationship, friends, siblings, like you're romantic, when those hard boundaries are crossed, like if you allow somebody back at your table, it's your fault. Right. So my answer would be no. It, that's not... That's you setting a boundary and saying like, hey, it's, I'd be like if somebody, uh, let's say, let's say the boys or our children one day have a, you know, my dad, my dad goes off and rapes somebody and then it has nothing to do with us, but I have a hard boundary that is like child molesters, rapist, physical abusers like this, like to women, like if I just set these hard boundaries and he crosses one, no, my children I can't, like I can't, like it's not, it's yeah. not my job to make you happy and gamble with their emotions and their life. There's a lot of shit I'm not going to be able to protect them from, but if I can, I'm going to. And I'm going to. Yeah. Especially if you crossed a hard boundary. And that'd be the same as like if you cheated on me and from day 1 I said, "Hey, my only hard boundary that cheat. I will walk away from you is you cheat on me." And if you go cheat on me and then I just stay with you for whatever reason, I, mean, I have no self-worth if I did, but like mm-hmm. if I stayed with you, then it's it's my fault if yeah. you do it to me Maybe. again, or it's my fault if I never feel content in our relationship. It's my fault. Yeah, beautifully so. said. Take ownership of your life. Yeah. Do you feel that in parent situations, really any situation, but just relationships, parents, that the person who talks the most shit and plays the victim most is actually the villain in the situation? And yes. I say this because... Um, my mom never said anything bad about my dad, even though she had a fucking roster of things to say. She never even brought up the moment of him kidnapping us, ever. She would always say that your father is not in your life because he is an alcoholic and he was a bit dangerous sometimes. I felt very lonely and I just thought it was best for you guys for us to move up here. But if you ever want to see him, contact him, whatever it may be, I will pay, I will arrange it. Yeah. And when you get older and you want to, if you want to meet him, get to know him, by all means, I will support it. Yeah. My dad, on the other hand, fucking bitch, took me just awful, awful, awful things mm-hmm. about my mom. So do you think that the person who talks shit and plays victim is actually the villain? Yeah, absolutely. Look at my own life. <laughs> like, 
Absolutely. Watching my mom, watching my dad, and then looking at my own life. Absolutely. The person and the people who are normally doing the talking are normally the villain. Like, I don't think there's even... I'm a movie buff. I don't think there's a single movie where the, the hero or the good guy talks crap at all about the bad guy. What the bad guy does. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get him. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Good movie analogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's one. So for people listening who are like, wow, how can I find out if there's, like, I feel like there's a wound here, but I don't even know where to begin. Watch actions Mm -hmm. and listen to words. Yeah. Feel energy. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel when your mom would say the awful things about your dad? Were you like, yeah, fuck him and her ring or? No, I think, I think in my, tap into it. I think in my early years, I would, I would think like, why are you saying things like that's my dad? And then my dad never really said anything about her. He just roped and worked and did his own thing. Mm. And then as I got older, the only time I heard my dad play victim was when my mom left him and she she cheated on him and then she left him and of course he must have just had like this massive codependency issue and all this self-worth and all this it's the only time I've ever heard my dad talk shit about my mom but he was stating facts like she cheated on me she did this she like literally he was stating facts he wasn't like making things up but yeah my mom most of the time was the one talking about my dad wow especially when he wasn't around There's another one. And even today, though, like, he'll stop by her house today. Mm -hmm. And so seeing them treat each other like that and still to this day play victim and talk shit, I mean, and then seeing them the next day together, like, is it healthy? Because they're showing that, hey, you can put your differences aside and go to a birthday party together. Or do you find it uncomfortable? Like, you guys are fake. This is so weird. How does that feel? Mm, It it feels like chaos. It feels like they're doing it because it's it's their... norm it's their way of of being my dad knows that if he goes around and his girlfriend that he's been with forever finds out then she might get upset and if she gets upset then my mom and her talk and then it's just like it's like this circle of of chaos so yuck mm -hmm. that's not fun no that's why i'm not in pleasanton texas Ooh, that's a lot of energy yeah growth it's fun huh Oh, yeah. That's what this human life is all about. Yep. Josh, we're only like halfway through this journey. Can you imagine? We still have yet to be parents full-time to little kiddos and watch them grow up. And then, obviously, we'll give them some form. It's not going to be picture perfect. Yeah. We'll subcon- you know what I mean? It's scary to me that I will subconsciously give my kids some form of trauma, whether I know it or not. I just think the key is, and again, this will have to be an episode way down the road, but I think the key is just listening to them and, well, validating how they feel. Don't dismiss it. Oh, Leighton, I gave you everything. Mm -hmm. You have no right to feel this way. No, say, I'm sorry. I I didn't know my action hurt you in that way. Is there anything I can do to be a better parent? Yeah. Imagine if your parents said that to you. (laughs) I can't. No, I said I wanted to go fucking snow skiing whenever I was like 12 and I had to wait till I was 25 to take myself, so no. Yeah, and we have huge realizations like when I got my divorce, people were shocked like, what? Why? Well, okay, what can we do to help you? That was my reaction. 
I think your reaction was, oh, how could you? It was never any form of support. Yeah. And divorce, no matter who's filing or who's deciding, is hard. Yeah. It's hard for all parties. Yeah, for sure. Why do you think you had no support? Um, well, maybe I, and with my actions and my words, I wasn't supporting the people that were around me because I was surrounded by people I didn't trust. So if I didn't trust them and I wasn't supporting them, why the fuck would they support me? Mm. Your family? Yeah, I don't, I mean, they were just so lost. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Do you believe that family is blood or family is chosen? I believe family is family is support and family is um, honesty. So whoever's honest and honest with you and supports you, that's family. Yeah. Blood or not? Oh hell no. Mm -mm. No, I got a lot of family members that are blood, but they're not family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of my friends feel way more like cousins or sisters than real blood family. Yeah. I'd almost like go get a blood transfusion and then say like we're literally <laughs> we're family. not. We're not like <laughs> yeah. we're not even we don't even carry the same DNA anymore. How do you think as the boy's father you will make sure they don't end up in relationship situations like you did? Biggest part I've already done. Biggest part is already done. There's still, like, always work to do, but, like, the biggest part of it is what I did. Not the cheating, but the leaving the relationship. That's the biggest part. If I'd have watched... And the next biggest part of it is being in a healthy relationship with you. So, they literally watch my actions. And my actions have been not the best from day one, right? Like, they... Thank goodness that they were so young that hopefully I didn't traumatize them too bad with with my actions and cheating but mm-hmm. hopefully they'll but that's the other thing like I'll never lie to them I'll never say I'll never sugarcoat <clears throat> anything that I've done or anything that I'll do to make them have a picture of me that I hope they have mm-hmm. I'll just say what it is and what I've done and who I really am and if they if they admire it and they love me for it then that means that I and we did a good job if they don't then then I don't know. I'm not here to please them either. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're strong. What do you have, an Aries North Node? <laughs> <laughs> My Pisces North Node is scared. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was very beautifully said, and that's exactly it. You lead by example. You don't sit in front of a chalkboard and teach your kids. You simply show them. Monkey see, monkey do. And I think it speaks volumes how our little Scorpio moons are all over each other, kissing, hugging, squeezing, rubbing Mm -hmm. all the time we can get, just touching each other. And they watch. Mm -hmm. And they smile. Yeah. They smile so big their eyes are squinty. How many times are we making out in the kitchen and we catch them looking just with the biggest smile on their face? And then when they see us, they're like, I wasn't looking. Oh, yeah. And it's like, wow. We have imprinted in their minds that love is kissing and laughing mm-hmm. and touching. and Yeah. So no matter what they see at mom's house, they've got 50% of their foot in a world like that. Well, they also see the other side of it too where it's like um, conflict resolution. They see tough conversations we've had and then I'm sure they see really shitty narcissistic conversations at on the other side at, at her house. So like... They're learning. 
Yeah, so they, they see love with us and they see affection and then whatever they see over there they see and they make a comparison to what feels good, what looks mm-hmm. good, what's happy. What feels safe. What feels safe. Kids. And then they see us having conversations that sometimes, like we've had a tough conversation in front of them, but we don't yell. We, we don't never scream, raise our we voice. We don't raise our voice. So like they've seen that and then they've, so they've actually got to experience like, oh, this is how you should communicate. You can sit at a table outside and talk to someone. Yeah, and I don't know how it goes at her house, but I can assume and so, again, they get to make the decision of, like, what feels safe and what doesn't? And what feels love and what doesn't? And what feels comfortable and what doesn't? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, shit, I'm going to try and lead this life the best I can because this feels safe. Yeah. What yeah. a gift. That's a gift because we always say, well, we got married to the wrong partners because we didn't know. We've mm-hmm. never seen. So even if on the other end it's not the healthiest dynamic, if mm-hmm. they have that's what you were saying. If they have us, they have a really big fighting chance because they get to see both. Yeah. I always say it's awesome for people co-parenting. If if you're super lucky and hit the jackpot and everybody's cool, everyone has a new healthy partner, oh, God, you get two houses full of love, gosh, you're abundant as hell. But also, if one's healthy and one's poopy, you get to see right in front of you, oh, this means good, this means bad. Okay, mm-hmm. which blueprint do I follow? That's yeah. a gift, too. Yeah. And then we'll light a candle for the ones who have two shitty situations. Yep. Who are currently healing or maybe even in the midst of their own father and mother wounds. Just know that there is a community of light workers here who go through it. This is why we opened up and shared, like, getting kicked into a truck. My dad texting me and his wife getting drunk on wine. Like, those are some very vivid, detailed examples of these wounds that I haven't really shared before. But I just felt the intuitive call. Too, because I don't want it to be things we all say. No, don't share that. That's inappropriate. Uh, don't make my dad look bad. Let's not do that. No, yeah. we we're the Pluto and Scorpio generation. <laughs> we are pulling these shadows, pulling these skeletons out from the closet and saying, "Look, this happens." Oh, you know how many people probably look at my fucking Instagram and think she had a picture perfect life. <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> yes. You you can. Uh, it's this cool. Is Our generation. You can, like our parents, you can hide your skin, but we're going to pull the soul out. Yeah. And it's going to be, ex- like, not exposed in a bad way, but, like, yeah. you can't learn if somebody's not helping you and shit. If it has to be your children, we've been, we've been your, basically your parents. I will say, it's pretty cool, but I do have a lot of listeners in their 50s and 60s. Yeah. So, they are our parents' age. Yeah. What advice would you give them after listening to this? Listen to us. Listen to your children. <laughs> Ask Listen. your, go to your children and say... How could I have been better as a mom? Just that, or a dad. That simple question alone of just giving them the stage, opening. Imagine if you're a mom. Yeah, I've never told. I've never told anybody until right now, and you, of course, about the, and it's, it has to be a wound because I remember it like it's yesterday. I can literally feel the bed, like laying in this lady, Nikki's bed, who was a friend of my mom's. They're outside partying and drinking in the pool, and I think it was Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm throwing up with probably 103 fever in her bed and feeling so, like, scared because I'm alone. And I was, like, 10 years old. Nobody trying to, like, take care of me, help me. And my mom was choosing a pool, drinking, and Super Bowl and barbecue over taking me home so I could be in my bed and taking care of me like a mother should. So, like, if she hears this, she could easily play victim and say, Oh, you were fine. Look at you. You grew up fine. It's like, well, I'm trying to express to you the things, how you could have been a better mother. So use these things and be a better grandmother or just be a better person. 
Yeah. I think one of the most shocking things I watched you go through was when your ex-wife got a DWI mm -hmm. and we felt scared for the boy's safety and mm -hmm. your mom was like, oh, stop. I used to drive drunk with you guys all the time. My jaw hit, because you said it to us in person. Mm -hmm. I was just like, to watch your trauma live in action and not be able to say or do anything. Yeah. It's hard. Just like when you looked at my dad's text message and you were like, do I call him? Do I? I'm like, what is my position here? Like, yeah, it's, it's tough. And there are so many people who don't get along with, like, I've never met your dad. Mm -hmm. I do get along with your mom. I understand she's on her own journey and she's on her own process. And I don't martyr her for that. Yeah. Um, you'll never meet my dad, nor will I. Yeah. And you like Uncle Lee's, so. Love him. You love my dad's. <laughs> my two dads. You have a, you have a hell of a mom, dad. <laughs> I like that cat dog movie. She's probably listening to this like, God damn, Jordan. Yeah, that damn Mexican. <laughs> I, love I love you, mama. Uncle, she does. whatever. Uncle mama. Yeah, uncle mama. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, I would like anybody that has kids, even if you're like star age, 30 or whatever, or if you are older and you have kids that have like long gone, they're out of school, they have their own families, there's going to be something that you could have done a little better or something you could currently do better. And it's always nice to like, it'd be really cool if, if my mom was like, Hey, where's somewhere I could have taken you or done something yeah. with you that would have made you feel happy. And I would have said, I gave no shit about going to Cancun during the summers. <laughs> I did not. Like, I'm appreciative that I got to see Cancun, but like y'all did that for you. Mm. I would have loved to have gone on a fucking Mountain. family trip to snowboard and snow ski. I wanted to see snow so bad growing what up. What would Logan want to do? Same thing? I don't know. I'm Did he sure. ever get to choose or say things like that? Um, No, because me and him normally got left like <laughs> with the same. Like We either got left with family or babysitter or something while my parents did their thing. Or we went to Cancun together. But again, Cancun is not a place that I ever wanted to go. Like, yeah. Take me to Universal Studios. Take me to snowboard. Take, take me, Montana. me, yeah. Take me to Montana. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Take me to nature. So, circling this back to the beginning of the episode, what advice would you give people? Because there's a lot of people listening who have their own podcast, or they want to write about it in Instagram captions, or write a book. Who are so afraid of people's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Opinion. Of how they feel. <laughs> Opinion of how they feel. Like. We, for so long, hid the fact that your ex got a DWI because we were like, oh, God, don't share that. But why? Um, that was done strategically so that a way... Because, like, right now, we say it all the time, like, we're not... We're in a loft condo, so if she were to have the boys taken from her and the court mm -hmm. system said, here, you got them now full-time, it'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Not in a place ready for that. So it was almost in a, in a, in a way. So like, because mm -hmm. we weren't ready for what could come of it. Mm -hmm. So, but like people are listening and thinking, how can I share my truth without hurting feelings? There you go. You don't worry about people's feelings. <laughs> but again, I was raised to not worry, to not worry about people's feelings. So like, it's really hard. It's easy to hear what I say and watch what I do and then you try and do it and it's like this feels wrong or this mm -hmm. isn't right. But again, like I was I was I was raised 
<laughs> I was raised to not care about people's feelings. So like, I always have. I've always, I either care before the fact or after the fact. But when it comes to saying something I want to say, I just do it. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? The worst that's happened for me is people call me a piece of shit and they call me all these names. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? I'm actually happier than everyone who's ever talked shit about me or who's had an opinion about me. Mm -hmm. Or the other thing you realize is like people will say things and attack or you might hurt somebody's feelings and they'll, they'll attack or they won't. But then life goes on. Yeah. So if it's coming from a, a place of honesty and it's coming from... Uh, like you want to get something off your chest and it's and it's an honest um, opinion. It doesn't even have to be opinion. It can be based on reality. Like if it's if it's real and it's something you want to get off your chest, get it off your chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just tired of sugarcoating things. You guys have probably noticed I haven't stuttered or stumbled over my words because I'm just speaking truth and reality. Maybe this is my Mercury and Sag, Sun and Sag coming up, but... I just don't think that people who have done bad things should be protected anymore. No. No. And by not sharing things, that everything we shared in here, by hiding those things and skirting around them, acting, just sharing other things when all those things we have shared really affected us, it's we're doing it to protect them. So you Mm -hmm. don't think that my dad's a piece of shit or that your ex is a terrible mom or whatever it may be. We're giving them the opportunity. I'm not here to try and teach any of them anything. I'm here to give my experience on life. And if things I say can give you like, like I'm literally handing you the platter with like all the answers to mm-hmm. how you could have been better in my, like in, in, your relationship in my relationship with, with, with you, maybe not in your relationship with somebody else, but our relationship, like I'm giving you the platter and saying, Hey, I've gone to the highest ground that I can. I know I'm not a guru, but from the moral high ground to where I come from, like, Here's kind of like how I feel and the answers on how you could be better. Mm-hmm. And whether you take it or not, like, I don't know, it's up to yeah. you. Yeah. And I love a good debate. Not even a debate, just sharing the how everyone perceives stories and moments so differently because of how you were raised and what you've been through. I, I wish my ex or my dad or someone would sit down so that I could share everything I just did and have them say, well, here's my perception of it. Unfortunately, we're just not, they're not that evolved enough to do that and that mature to sit down and have one of those really deep conversations. So this is, again, we'll wrap it up by saying this was our experience. Mm-hmm. And, I hope you guys don't take it and judge the people we spoke of, but take it. These are all light workers. This is such a dope crowd. They know. But just going to add it to there. Again, to protect the few people that we talked about. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. They know. Don't judge it. They're going to base these stories off of their own experiences and say, me too. Mm-hmm. Been there. Done that. Yeah. We are all spirits having a human experience. Yeah. Not here for long. No, blink of an eye, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. When I when when we read the book of our life, like at the end of this, if we get to, that'd be really cool. Yeah. If you got to read a book, that'd be really cool to watch, like your transformation throughout the story, instead of it just saying like, created trauma, had kids, and was just kind of an ass, and didn't really have any friends, and had the opportunity for growth. So many people tried to help, but just didn't care. The end. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are. Yep. Can you imagine how or who we're going to be when we're 60? Mm-hmm. Our parents' age? 
I know for a fact that like it's not just going to be like climbing this uphill deal. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be slips and there's going to be slips mm-hmm. next next in the next five years. I'm going to screw up on something that I already screwed up in the past and just won't fall as far. And then I'll climb back up. And then by the time I'm 50, I'm, I'll screw up something. Hopefully by the time I'm like 70, there's just nothing to screw up anymore because you don't care. Why? I want to talk to people. If you're listening to this and you're like late 70s, 80s, 90s maybe, who fucking knows? Yeah. Can you come on the podcast and talk about how you reach that point where you just don't, don't care. shit? Yeah, you don't care what you... I notice it with a lot of older... I say older, like uh, 75 and up. Yes, how they just... They say care. what they want. They do what they want. Like, we need to do that when we're like... I think the teens. only thing that triggers them at that age is just the health of their partner or their kids and grandkids. Anything else is just like, what the fuck? Or the, or the younger generation like us calling them old. Sorry. No, I love it. I can't. I love people calling me old. I can't wait to be old. I don't want to hurry up and get there, but like, it'd be you're cool. Wise. Yeah. Mama says it to me all the time. She's like, I cannot imagine how you're going to be when you're my age. I say it to teenagers. I just had a 17-year-old do a birth chart reading, and I was like, you are teaching me right now. Let me talk to your parents and like see the people that raised you. This is incredible. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. That could be a whole other podcast episode. Talk about that generation. They're going through a lot. That generation, I just got to say it. I just tip my hat to you guys because growing up in the age of social media, the girl I coached, I asked her point blank, like, how did you do it? She just graduated high school. And I was like, how did you grow up where there's drama and fighting at school? And then you go home and it's on Snapchat and it's on Instagram. The fights continue. She was like, well, that's why so many people in my generation commit suicide. Like suicide to them is so normal. It's so normal. It's like, oh, it's sad. But like to us, if someone committed suicide in high school, the whole town is shook. To them, it's like another one. God, we've got to do something about this. Yeah, I think we had one. My whole high school career, I think we had one kid commit suicide. And, but yeah, I do have to, I have to tip my hat to them too. Cause back in the day, we usually, like, if we had a problem as young boys growing up, like, we met in the schoolyard, we met somewhere after school and we fought and, like, it was what it was. But, like, there was no, like, after, there was no shockwave after yeah, like, of, like, when you like, go home, you can play video games and then they don't exist. Yeah. There was no ego after that, like, Oh, Jordan got in a fight with so and so, and he's a are popping up. he's a this, and he's a this, Oof. and it's all these ugly things, and then like having to see him, and then being in high school and shit, like no, I tip my hat to them. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, with that said, we've all got a lot of work to do here on Earth. We all, I believe, we all chose to reincarnate to roll up our sleeves and raise the frequency here, and. We thank you guys for listening, if you've made it this far. We thank you for showing up in your own lives every day. Yes, I thank you for that, even though I may not personally know you. But if you're showing up, you're doing the work, as Nicole's book says. You're making it a better world for our children and our grandchildren over here in the baby Jane, baby girl household. So we genuinely appreciate that and see you. Yeah. And we've been there in those dark nights of the soul where you just feel like the world is against you and no one supports you. And it's so lonely and scared and sad. And we are here as proof to remind you and tell you that everything is for now. Yeah. It gets better. Yep. Way, way better. Like beyond anything you can imagine. Yeah. You will wake up tomorrow. And then you'll meet your baby daddy. If you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Aries North Node. Thank you for recording this with me and for openly sharing your experience. I was going to share more, but you're, you're welcome. What do you want to share? 
No, I was. Go ahead. Just floor's joke. yours. No. No. You're welcome. <laughs> How long is this? Two hours? Goodness sake. Probably so. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm gonna go back on Instagram and answer your spirit animal questions, and we're gonna go make some dinner. Yes. Wow, that's so cool. They got to hear a whole thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. They got so a whole Scorpio monsoon. Moon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. We will see you guys next week on the show. Sending love from Colorado. And beyond. Goodbye. Bye-bye.